Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's all stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's lift our hands and worship God and praise him here this morning. Jesus, we praise you. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, that we can look into the word of God this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, your power, your spirit, your grace, your love, and your kindness and mercy to us in all things. We ask you to bless this class, all the classes that are in session at this time, and bless our services, Lord, both the ones that's coming up and the one that's already ha- happened. Bless those that have heard that one. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Turn to your neighbor next to you and shake their hand and greet them, if you haven't already. God bless all of you. We're happy you're here. Before I get started here this morning, I want to just make mention to you that we still have our men's breakfast going on every Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock right down here where the old IHOP used to be on Malabar Road. Uh, It's called Sunshine Cafe now and they have very good breakfast good food and and any of you men that want to just ever join us if you're not working or if you're retired or you just want to have some good fellowship for about an hour we go there and sit there and eat and just chat and talk a little bit and it's very good for our brethren and also if you know of a brother that is uh you know that maybe he's sort of uh sort of getting a little distance from the church or uh, hadn't been able to come or something like that, encourage him to come so that the fellowship of God's people can strengthen him. This is a very important part in walking with God is our fellowship one with another. And the Bible, of course, teaches that. So I just want to throw that in for what it's worth here. Uh, you that have come, I think we've had, I, I can't remember, I wasn't here a couple of weeks ago, but the one before that we had about 12 brothers and last week I think we had about eight or nine and so I just want to let you know here that you're always welcome, any of you that would like to come and uh, be with us. All right. God love you. I want to uh, talk to you about something that God has put on my heart that I want to uh, talk to you here today about. And it's to do with uh, the church, the church itself, the two enemies of the church. There are two major enemies that the church has. And I want to talk to you about that. I may not cover both of them today thoroughly, but I'm going to get started. And I don't want to go past our time because I realize, and I've been told just recently that out in the vestibule, and that's why the enlarged vestibule would be a blessing, out in the vestibule there are uh, people who are getting ready to come in the auditorium at 945, and they're just getting big crowd out there, and they can't get in. And if I go over while that makes that even worse. So I will try my best not to let that happen. Amen. God bless you. So I want to get into this subject here today about the two enemies of the church and particularly the one that is about the church in the world. That is the church in the world, but not of the world. The church is in the world, but not of the world. And uh, I want to begin by reading a scripture that's found in uh, John 15 and uh, The word world comes to us very strangely because we think of the world as almost like as the earth or the the, the, as global, sort of a global physical thing. But in the Bible, the word world has a a further extensive meaning than that. 
It means the age or the period of time. And more specifically, it means the spirit of the age, the spirit of the age, the spirit that is in the gathering of humanity and here and there and what can happen and what they do and what they say and the way they go and their influence one way or the other. And it's simply called in the Bible, the world. And this is what Jesus said in St. John 15, uh, 18 and 19. I read these two verses to you. And it's elaborated on other verses as well, in not only John, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But here's what John says. Jesus says these words, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Then he says in verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, Therefore, the world hateth you. So Jesus gave the disciples a heads up that they would never be accepted in a popularity sense of the word in this world in which we live. Praise the Lord. When the Lord called Israel or Abraham and said, I'll give you land, make you a great nation. He gave them Palestine and their world was that land area, that the land area that was their that was their kingdom and that was their land that was their country that was their religion it was all confined to that uh, palestine area that they lived in uh with the church the lord said that this kingdom is will be scattered in all the world there is no particular place there's no domain domain it is a spiritual thing much of jesus's teachings were to explain that to the people that they would understand that his kingdom on this earth from this point on would not be a locality, but it would be in all of the world. And so we are in the world, yet we are not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. Now, the Lord brought uh, Israel out of Egypt, and he brought us out of the world as a typology. Uh, let me have you read for just a moment here, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1, and I'm going to read these four verses to you. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud. He's speaking of Israel now, coming out of Egypt. All were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. That's the, that's the Red Sea when they it was rolled back. And he was, he's giving here now how that they all came that way and were all baptized unto Moses, Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So what the scripture here, this is Paul's writings. What he does is to connect the physical things that happened to Israel to the spiritual things that happened to us as the church. And so he's talking here about uh, going out of, out of Egypt, going through the sea, through the water is a type of us being baptized. It's a type of. The Bible talks of it being types and shadows. And then he talked about how that the other baptism, that is, they were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. The cloud, of course, was that cloud that was over their head by day. That's a type of the Holy Ghost that oversees us. We're baptized with the spirit and we're baptized with the water. The Bible talks about being baptized of the water and being baptized of the spirit. I won't get into those doctrinal issues at this point, only to say that this is explaining that it was that what happened to them physically and literally was a type 
of what happened to us spiritually. And then finally, he goes on to say here, uh, verse 3, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, that is the manna that fell from heaven. They all ate the manna. And verse 4, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that rock, spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, not literally was it Christ, but it's a type of Christ. So what I'm showing you here was that after they got in the church, they'd gone through this, they'd been baptized, and they'd received the Holy Ghost. Then they walk in the Spirit, and they also then eat the manna from heaven. The Word of God is like the manna from heaven to us, spiritually speaking, I'm speaking of. And the, uh, the Holy Ghost moving on us is like water. That's why the Bible said there shall be a well of water springing up within you. There's many typology here of that Old Testament compared to that New Testament here and all these things. So what I'm showing you here, that Israel's experience in coming out of Egypt and, and going, in, going down into the wilderness and going to the promised land is a type of us living for God and trying to make it to heaven and leaving Egypt behind us. Now, let me give you a verse of scripture here that's found over in, uh, in Exodus. And this is just a confirmation to the fact that the Lord brought them out. God brought and brings us out. I'm going back here to Exodus chapter 18, verse 9. Jethro, Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. And so he was married to Jethro's daughter. Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. He's talking to Moses here, and he's really happy about how God brought him out. Verse 10, and Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. So what we're saying here is that just as God delivered them out of that, uh, of that, of Egypt, God has delivered us from the world. Many things he brought us out of the world. And the world, while we may say, where is the world, is right outside that door there. And it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's all the things that we could get involved in. It can be, getting, it can be drinking, going to the bars, uh, going to the uh, clubs, uh, nightlife. Uh, it can be, uh, it goes on and on. All the things that's involved with the world, the spirit of the world, it can be drugs. And all the drugs that people get into, it can be, uh, it can be one, it can be a minor thing that leads to major things and serious things. And all of them can be, make us slaves. We can become slaves to alcohol. We can become slaves to drugs. We can become slaves to cigarettes. All of these things make us have put us or can put us in the world into slavery. And there, and there were people who were in the, when they were in Egypt, they were slaves and they had to obey their masters. But when God brought them out, he eliminated that. Pastor touched on that the other day when he spoke to us in the, in the dinner the other night. But he, he, he eliminated that. He, he's freed us from that. So when we come out of the world, God delivers us from these things. And what a wonderful thing that is. And we can praise the Lord and we can worship God and we can glorify God. And so the children of Israel in coming out of the, out of Egypt, coming out of Egypt, 
they should have rejoiced and praised the Lord and glorified God and been happy about it all, you know, for just, I mean, just went on and on. But, but, and I go to verse five here in first Corinthians chapter 10. Again, I'm back there where it talks about how that these things were examples unto us, that they all went through the cloud. They were all under the, they went through the sea, were under the cloud. They all drank the same water in verse four and verse five. Now look at verse five, but I'm going to read verse four again, then tie it in with it. Verse five, verse four, and did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But verse five, but, but, and this is where that we have to, we have to be careful in our walk with God and not be tempted by that old world that God brought us out of to go back into it, to go back to it. And this will always be an enemy to the church. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about the church itself, the word, but verse five. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness, in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples or examples are examples. They are given to us now as examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse seven, neither be ye idolaters. That's worshiping and idolizing things in this life more than we want to live and walk with God. I could get into that. You see a guy out on Sunday and polishing his car and worshiping, just waxing his car and working on his car and doing on his car on a Sunday. You ought to be in church praising God, going to church, listening to the word of God. Instead, he loves that car so much, it's become his idol. There are many things that could become our idols. I won't get into that any further, but only to say, neither be ye idolaters, verse eight, Neither let us commit fornication. Verse nine, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted. Look at verse 10, neither murmur ye. You know, people get to be murmuring. These are all things that they started doing and they were delivered from slavery and they were in the wilderness on their way, but they started finding fault with everything about the way things were going and how things were and they got to looking back at that old Egypt and they thought, you know what? At least we had the old flesh pots and we had our gark and our leeks and our onions that we ate and everything. Here we got to eat manna. Well, what's wrong with the word of God? <laughs> what's wrong with the word of God? Amen. I love the word of God. It's the manna that we eat from heaven. Amen. It'll keep you strong. It's when Satan tempted Jesus in the, in the, in the wilderness, you know, he said something about turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Meaning all of the word is beneficial to us in our walk with the Lord and, uh, and so forth. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me uh, show you a scripture here. This is in Numbers 14. This is where it began to go astray. They sent spies into the land and spied out. Said, we're going into Canaan's land now. God's going to give you this land. Hip, hip, hurrah. And the spies went and came back. They said, man, there's giants in the land. We can't take that land. 10 of the 12 said that. Two of them said, you know, there's giants in the land, but God's going to give us the power, the strength, and the grace, and all that we need to overcome, and we can take the land. But they listened to the 10, the other 10. And so when they got through, this is what this says about them. This is 14.2. Excuse me. 14.2 of, of uh, Numbers. 
And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, and our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better? <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> All right. Would to God uh, were it not better for for us to return to Egypt. Verse 4. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. And so this is where they begin to murmur against God and they begin to complain. Now, in our walk with God, we have to say, God, you have given us your word. You will take care of us. You will take us through. And there may be things along the way. There may be situations that will come into our individual lives. There may be things that will say to us, you know what? Living for God is just not all cut out to be what somebody told me it was or what I thought it was or, or how I have been walking. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> ah. So let me get a drink of water here. Maybe that's what I need. (laughs) It's right here before me. All right. So the children of Israel begin to complain and begin to murmur. And you and I have to remember that God has given us the greatest and the best thing on the face of the earth. And that the world is something that the Lord warned us that we must stay out of. Now... Oh, I'm making all kind of noise up here this morning. <laughs> all you people on the internet, forgive me too. Amen. God bless you. Uh, I want you to look in First uh, Corinthians. Uh, I'm sorry. Look at Second Peter. I want to talk to, to you about testimonies from these apostles. Now, these apostles left everything to follow Jesus and to walk with the Lord. And as they walk with the Lord. They served him. They walked with him. They kept the world out of their lives and out of their hearts. And I want you to see what Peter says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. If you'll turn to 2 Peter 1. This is 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. And this is what Peter says. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and to godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. This is what Peter is talking about here. He's saying we've got some wonderful and precious things that God has given us, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Folks, we are partakers of the divine nature of God. So that just as Jesus was not of the world, neither are we of the world. Because the nature of Christ is in us by his spirit. This is why the Holy Ghost is so important. It will cause you to love the things of God. And it will cause you to not love the things of the world. Now somebody said, Brother Myers, I don't quite understand. I'm going to finish reading this in just a minute. I don't quite understand because the world is what we are. We are in the world. How is that? Well, let me put it this way. A ship is in the sea. 
And a ship is made to be in the sea. And it will always be in the sea. But the sea can never get in the ship. You understand what I'm saying? If the sea gets in the ship, the ship sinks. And it's in the, in the sea. It's down in the sea. But as long as it is in the sea in the way it was intended to be in the sea, it's an okay thing. We are in the world in that sense, but we are, the world is not in us. And as long as we can be in the world, it will be in the world until Jesus comes because the Lord designed it that way. But let not the world or the spirit of the world get into the church. Praise the Lord. That's why the Lord wants us to live a holy life, a God-fearing life. And there are many things out there that can pull at us, tempt us, you know, things that maybe you were in once before and you go back to. I've known people who God saved them and they gave up smoking and didn't smoke. And then they got tempted and they went back and started smoking again. And then they came back to the Lord and they couldn't give it up again. And they battled with it. They had it won the first time. And they, 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 they battled with it or battled with it. I knew a guy one time, so I'm not going to drink alcohol. All I'm going to do is just drink my beer in the evening when I get off and work. I just want to drink a beer. That's all. Well, that's all it takes is just a little bit of that, of the water getting in the ship. And the next thing you know, you're drinking two beers. Next thing you know, three beers. Next thing you know, you're getting drunk. I have a very, I had a very good friend. He's passed away now. And, and, and he was a very good friend of mine. And, uh, he was taking some medication for a health situation. And his doctor said to him, if you drink a glass of wine every evening, you won't have to take this medication. It'll do for you what your medication is doing for you. Now he didn't do it for a while. Then he thought, you know what? I think I'll try that. So he started drinking a glass of wine. Next thing you know, he was drinking two glasses of wine. Next, I'm serious. Next thing you know, he was drinking wine more than just once in the evening. Next thing you know, he was, uh, he was, he was a little bit inebriated when he shouldn't have been. Next thing you know, he, was, had a, he had a little apartment away from his home that he and his wife would sometimes go off and just sort of spend a weekend or something away from the, everything in the job work and, and the kids. They were all grown at this point and everything. So he, he got where he'd go by himself to that place and get drunk, just get drunk. And he was a Christian. He was a Pentecostal. But you see how things like that can, the water can get in the ship. It can get in your life and little by little by little. Don't give place to it. No place at all for it. Just say, God, I'm going to live for you. And if you're in any of those areas, just say, I'm going to back off. I'm going to get out of that thing. And I'm not going to let anything like that be in my heart, in my life. And God will always look after me and take care of me. And he'll never fail you. Jesus will never fail you. Now, this is what uh, Peter went on to say. I'm going to finish reading here verse 4. He says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having the Spirit of God in us, of course, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we've escaped all of that. And Peter said, you know, live for God, walk with him, and serve the Lord, and God will keep his hand on you. Now, Peter goes on to say that the reason I'm telling you that is because I know my time is about up. This was Second Peter. 
and Peter was just about, this was written wrong about 67, 67, 68 AD, and Peter was, uh, was, uh, was killed in that first persecution against the church by Nimrod. And I mean, not Nimrod, a Nero. And so here's what it says here in two, in, in one thirteen. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, that's in the body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, knowing he knew he's going to, his time was up, <clears throat> even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shown me. And so the Lord had shown him that his time was about up. Verse 16, for we have not followed cuttingly cuttingly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, Peter is saying to the church when he writes this, believe me, I'm telling you, I was eyewitness to it. I followed Jesus. I was with him. We have not told you fables, but what this word teaches and what it says is true, is right. Believe me, and I'm fixing to give this life up, and I'm not going to tell you a lie knowing that I'm going to be leaving this life. I'm going to tell you the truth. This way is right. This way is true. So I want to tell all of us here today, folks, walk with God, believe the Lord, trust in him, and stay fast to his word. This was Peter talking as he talked to us in these kind of things. Now, Paul also has what he has to say as well. Let me uh, refer you here to Paul, if I may. Uh, I'm going to look here in Romans chapter 12, Romans 12, 2. This is Paul's writings. And we had, we heard from Peter, this is Paul. And be not conformed to this world. This is Paul writing. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So whenever you come to the Lord and you get saved and you're in the church and you stay out of the world and you don't go back into the world, God will renew your mind and he will give you his perfect will for your life. And you can walk in that perfect will. And sometimes, praise the Lord, we may have our ups and downs. We may have problems. You, can, you may lose your job. You may, you know, God will give you another one. I'm just serious. Uh, you know, kids can act up, but, you know, you keep living for God and walking with the Lord. You keep praying for them. Many, I've seen many kids come back to the Lord whenever they've sort of strayed away. I'm just trying to tell you here that God can help us to do those things and we're faithful. We're faithful. And God will be with us. Praise the Lord. Some of you have unsaved companions, perhaps. And I've seen unsaved companions get saved. My own father was one of them, came to the Lord. So I'm just trying to point out to you here, don't ever give up, but keep walking with God and serving the Lord. And you're a strength to those that need to hear truth and to know that it is working and that they can be saved as well. Because, you know, when it's all over with, this is the only thing that matters, folks, is our eternal reward with God. Now, I want to go a little further here with Paul's writings. I'm reading here from, uh, in Paul's writings here from 2 Timothy uh, 4 and 16, 4-6. This is 2 Timothy 4-6. For I am now ready, I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. Now it's time for, uh, for Paul to be leaving. 
it's time for my departure to be at hand. He, in, fact, in fact, he died in the same persecution that Peter died in. He said in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Keeping the faith is the fight. In one place in 1 Timothy, he says, I, I fight the fight of faith. Keep the faith is the fight. Praise the Lord. I read a book one time about, you know, somebody saying that how they fought the devil and he's like, you know, like some big bat coming around flapping his wings. He's fighting. That's not the way you fight the devil. The devil don't fight you like that. He fights you by tempting you, trying to tempt you to go against the word, go back into the world, go back out there, go do this, go do that, try this, try that, blah, 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 blah. And he tries to get you involved in like, don't do it. Don't do it. You defeat the devil by keeping the faith. Amen. You say, no, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. And that's why I'm reading these verses to you here. <clears throat> so here's Peter. Here's Paul. It's coming close to their time of leaving. And now as they're getting close to leaving, they're saying, praise the Lord, fight the good fight of faith. And Paul even says, I've fought a good fight. I have finished my course then I have kept the faith. And then he goes on to say, and his forth has laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me that day. And not only me, not me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. That's talking about you and me. So he says, what God is going to give me, he'll give to you if you keep the faith and keep walking with the Lord. Now, I've referred to this before, but <clears throat> I feel like it's appropriate to say it again. This is the 10th verse. And this is a sad verse because I experienced something uh, when I was in Greece, Thessaloniki, they call it now. It's Thessalonica or Thessalonians, as the, the Bible talked about, first and second Thessalonians. It was written to the people of Thessalonica. And uh, now it's called Thessaloniki. That's the name of the city. It's the second largest city in Greece. My son and I were over there several years ago. We were on our way to, a, to an Eastern conference where he was speaking. And I was doing some teaching at a, at a Eastern European conference over there. And so we were in, in, this, in this city and we were fixed to take a train and go on up into uh, Belgrade. But anyhow, look at what the 10th verse says. This is what happened to us when we were in Thessaloniki. For Demas hath forsaken me. Demas. This was a companion of his. He was a, a Christian who walked with Paul. And he lived, he lived a life with Paul. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He loved the world and he wanted to go back to it. And is departed unto Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki, as it's pronounced today. Carashas to Galatians and Titus unto Dalmatia. Now, I'm talking about Demetian here, about Demas, because when my son and I were in this city, uh, they had excavated downtown the city and they had dug down and the old ancient city was about the depth of from that bottom of that window up there to the floor. And as it was down, you had to go down to find the old city. This is pretty common as civilization passes in many hundreds or even thousands of years past, the soil builds up. So the, the, the new city is on top and they dug down and they found this, the old city underneath it. And it's right downtown in the, old, in the new city. Big area that's, I don't know how to describe it, maybe 10 acres big. And so we, 
We went down the stairs. We went down and walked, and you could see the outline of buildings and stones. Nothing has been touched. Everything, you can see the pavement, the pavement where they walked and everything. And I thought, man, this is so impressive. Paul walked these stones one day. Paul actually walked these and uh, everything. And I came along, and then it hit me, Demas. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, having gone to Thessalonica. And when I said that, I looked at these stones and these rocks and this nothingness. And I said out loud, my son was way over, like maybe as far from here to the wall back there from me. I don't, nobody heard me. I just said it out loud. I said, Demas, you gave up everything for this? I couldn't help it. I, I just, it just blurted out. I said, Demas, you gave it all for this? And it just hit me that that man thought he was going to give up, you know, living for God and the struggles and the tough times and following Paul and preaching the gospel and trying to get people converted and saved. He was going to go and live in the world and where everything was happening. And now I'm looking at what it, what it, where everything was happening and there's nothing to it. And I'm telling you here today, folks, that's the way our world will be one day. I don't think 2,000 years are going to pass. I don't think, you know, I, I think the Lord's coming as soon. But this will all pass away. <clears throat> but what the Lord has for us will never pass away. That's why you got to keep living for the Lord. Don't let Satan come around. Oh, go back out, do this, do that, do that. Go try this. No, forget it. Forget it. Praise the Lord. Demas tried it and he lost his soul. Lost everything in the world that he thought he went back to gain. It, it, it's all gone. It's all gone. And I just couldn't help it. I said, Demas, you gave it all up and lost it all for this. And I looked around and there was nothing, nothing. You know, just, just rocks and stones in the ground. And, and it's of interest only because it was one time an ancient city. And it's of interest to us because Paul wrote to the people who lived in that city. That was the church. The Demas gave it all up that he went back. And history says that he got into politics and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just trying to say to all of us here today, folks, nothing is greater than just living for God and walking with God and serving the Lord with your whole heart. Praise the Lord. Jesus is wonderful. God, Jesus is truth. Word of God is wonderful. Praise the Lord is the greatest thing that ever came our way. Praise God. I want you to look for a moment, if you would, in, uh, in uh, James. I want to talk about James for a moment. Praise God. James talked about the world. Look at 4-4. Four, 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 four. This is James 4-4. Four, four. I'm, I'm just showing you examples here. Peter talked about him. Paul talked about him. This is James now. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? is an enemy with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Notice that? Boy, that's pretty plain talk. Now James here is not the brother of John that you read about James and John in the gospel. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He was the half brother of Jesus. As you know, Jesus was from Mary and his father was God. That is the spirit of God overshadowed Mary. She can see it and gave, gave forth the son. So, and then after Jesus' birth, 
she was a virgin and she gave birth to Jesus. And after Jesus' birth, then the Bible says that Joseph knew his wife, Mary, and they became, they became officially married in that sense of the word. And then they had, they had children. And they had James, Joseph. They had, I think, three sons, at least, and, a one, and some couple daughters. They had about, uh, about five children at least. The Bible talks about that in the gospel. I won't get involved in that. But I will say this, that this was one of those brothers, probably the oldest one, James. And so James was also highly respected uh, by, by all of the Jews, the Christian Jews in those days. And he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, which at one time was about 5,000 people. And later on was even more than that. And so James was about And later on, he himself was executed by the Jews just before Jerusalem fell and was conquered by the Romans in 70 AD. So along about 68 AD, uh, James uh, was, was, uh, was killed. And so after that, the Christians all left. And Jesus had said, when you see the armies coming down, then flee the city, get out of it, get out of it. And that's what, exactly what that early church did. None of that early church was left in Jerusalem when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. So they follow the words of Jesus' teaching. James was a big factor in that. So here he's talking now, and James is in his epistle. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And then I'm going to read on John here. This is a very, one of my favorite. And <clears throat> I know our time is getting away here, and I'm going to just mention what I'm going to talk to you about next week. And, uh, and then wrap this up. Listen very clear, carefully here. First John, first John, not St. John, first John. And this is chapter two, verse 15. This is a verse, probably one of the first verses that I was instructed to memorize and to learn when I was first saved. I was 16 years old and a dear sister in our church says, brother Myers, memorize this verse. And I went and looked at my Bible and there it was. And I memorized it. And I, it says this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. This is 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. 1 John 2 and 15. <clears throat> love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Boy, that's important. Look at verse 16. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It names three things here. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what Satan tempted Eve with, with that fruit on the tree. You know, when she's, the Bible says when she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, good to eat, and it would make one wise. You see, making one wise was the pride of life. Make you smart, make you smart as God. So those three things. So here he says here, for that that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Praise the Lord. Now it goes on to say here in verse 17, and the world passeth away. <coughs> Excuse me. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And if you've got your pen, your Bible, put a ring around those three verses. Don't ever forget them. Hang on to them. Praise the Lord. Believe it. I have in my Bible, I just pass this along to you what it's worth. I have uh, 
in the fly leaf like this, where it's blank pages, I have little, I have little scriptures written, and I'll say, uh, love not the world, and then I'll have a scripture for it, or two or three. And if I ever want to find that verse of scripture, you can't remember all of them. Then I can say, I'll look in front of my Bible and see if I've got there, you know. So anyhow, you can do things like that along the way. I've got about two or three pages, four pages full of, full of those little things right now. In my Bible, in this Bible, I've got, I've got three or four or five Bibles. I've got a bunch of Bibles. I must have ten Bibles, but there's about four of them that I study at it. Everybody say praise the Lord. But I want you to know here that God wants us not to love the world. I'm going to one other verse here in, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, and that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And so just as they did not know the Lord or want to follow him, so likewise the church. So if we stay and walk with Christ, folks, we'll never be friends with the world. You can't be. And uh, the church should not try to get worldly. The church should remain separate from the world. We should be. That's why holiness is important. Walk with God in holiness. These standards that we have in the church, the standards, they're simply standards of holiness by which we remain different than the world. Our women can walk among the world and they can, they, the people can see a difference in them. Their, their hairstyles and their dresses, are, they don't wear pantsuits and all that, they wear dresses. All these kind of things. This is all part of the church. Praise God. It's been taught from way days of old. About, I won't go into all of that because that's all in the Bible. Anyhow. I can give you that 11th chapter and so forth. We won't get into that. But I just want to just show you here that the Lord wants us to be holy. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to believe in him and trust in him. Now, my time is gone and I'm going to leave at this point. But I want to just say one thing here. Israel never went back into Egypt. They never went back into Egypt. I'm going to show this map to you here. Then I'm going to show you what I'm going to talk to you about next week. Just one second here. A little little automatic. Is that it? That's the wrong one. Is that it? Where is my... Where is my focus? There it is. All right. I'm sorry. That's the other thing. I don't know how to get that off. Maybe I hit that button again. There it is. All right. Uh, hang on a second. Now, this is the Middle East. Real quickly, I want to show you this. This is Palestine right in here. The Dead Sea and Sea of Galilee and Jordan River. Right in here is Palestine. This is where the Jews live. This is Jerusalem right here. Now, this is Egypt over here where it's his own. This is all Egypt, all in here. This is the Nile River that comes down in here. They left Egypt. They came out, crossed this wilderness in through here, and finally came around and came up here and came then into Pal- around behind the east side of the Dead Sea and into Canaan's land. They never went back as a nation back to Egypt. There were those who did go back individually, but the nation never went back. But what did happen was that later they became divided as a nation. There was Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And in 721 B.C., the northern kingdom was captured by 
by Nineveh, the Assyrians, and they were scattered throughout here and taken to Nineveh. And later, the, the uh, southern kingdom was conquered by the Babylonians and taken over here to Babylon, where this pen is. Now, I'm telling you all of that because I want you to know that where they never went back to Egypt, they did fall into these other things. And when they did, they also fell into a lot of phony religions. And what can happen to the church? Uh, the other enemy that I'm going to talk to you about next week, I'm going to give you into a lot of detail on this. The other enemy that we're talking about is that we can fall into false doctrines, false teachings, false prophets, and all these kind of things that the Bible has warned us not to fall in. So the church has the world that we could go back out into or we can go into false religions. It's always there. It's always there. I won't elaborate on this only to say that uh, the word Babel is where their languages was changed because they tried to build the tower to Babel and so forth. It was called Babylon, I guess. Babel, they, they, they tried to talk to each other and the languages changed. So God gave everybody a different language and they all began to babble to each other. The Babel, <coughs> Babel, El, uh, that El and Bel uh, was the name of the Babylonian God. That was the God of the Babylonians for many years. Baal is another another term for Baal, 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 B-E-L, or B-A-A-L, Baal. And another, the Canaanites use the word Baal. And these were false gods. And so the Lord says, neither do I want you to go in the world, neither do I want you to serve false gods, or false religions, false, you know, into idolatry, into paganism, all those kind of things. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about it, and I'm going to show you some things that I think is going to be very interesting to you. Let's all stand and give God the praise and the glory. I went over one minute. I apologize to the people out in the best of you. Praise God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We glorify your name. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you for the people of God. Be with us, God, in all things, and we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God love you.